0: the deadline or something and i was definitely not near finished and i was like do i take this whole day and run down to nothing hill and participate or do i do the responsible thing and try to finish this thing and yeah i mean of course i went to the carnival because it's like how can i be in, in the uk and not not go to their version of the carnival
1: Make you feel happy, make Ooh, you feel nice, got in the sunshine, yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, welcome so, to One Long good, Bitcoin, good. Bridgene. Good, <laughs> good to have you on. I'm here with Arvin from Trinidad and Tobago. How are you
0: I'm good, I'm good. Good to uh... Good to be on, man. Good to, good to have a... Uh, I'm hoping we can going to have a little Caribbean chat. That, that might be fun. <laughs>
2: I was hoping for that, yeah, because you know I think you're the first person in the region that I've actually spoken really? to. Yeah, you're the first Caribbean person, first first anything close to who would understand what I'm saying about our culture. You know, so nice. I'm excited nice. For, for you yeah. to tell me what's going on. First with Trinidad, because um, I haven't been to Trinidad in... God, it's been years. My last one was, was Carnival 2018. Maybe mm-hmm. 2017. And boy, it was it so expensive. I I swear I'm never going back again. I spent about five grand before, <laughs> five grand just for costume and flight. And yeah. Yeah, I, I wasn't really, I wasn't really liking that. But then, you know, after COVID, I guess everything changed. So I'd love to know what's going on down there. First, let's start out by the beginning. Tell people all about you, who you are. Tell the Trinidad, you know, all about your story and how you got into Bitcoin, why you're a Bitcoiner now.
0: Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to jumping into that Trinidad carnival related stuff after. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I guess uh, my uh, my journey into Bitcoin started a few years ago. Um, when me and some friends were looking for some uh digital payment solutions. Um, So you would know, folks in the Caribbean would know that it's really hard. I don't know if that's the case, so I think it's still the case, but it's still really hard to like, if you want to do an online shop or you want to do any kind of a digital experience or a mobile experience, it's not the easiest to be able to accept a digital payment. Um, People like, I I don't know, I guess in the US and in Europe and stuff, it's easy. It's like, you know, PayPal or Stripe or whatever. And it's, it's a pretty straightforward process. We don't have a lot of those things. Um, and if we do, it's, it's that you have to jump through a bunch of hoops um, to connect them. And then even then we have complications with our local currencies and stuff. And it's just not a, it's not a fun process. Like a simple thing as setting up a, a Facebook store or an Instagram store or something or something on Shopify, it's, it's like a non-starter. Um, or at least it used to be because I haven't looked into the last, like since COVID, I haven't looked into it. But at the time it was really difficult. Uh, so yeah, that's when I uh, started to look for um, options, alternatives, came across Bitcoin kind of as a as a digital payment solution thing Uh, and then I started to look into it and I realized oh wow this is a lot more than just digital payments it's there's a whole thing in here Uh, and I think I had that whole uh that whole down the rabbit hole kind of thing where you're just reading everything and trying to understand everything about it trying to figure out how we're playing with all the different things um uh, was yeah. it digital payments um, so like first?
2: That, was it was it digital payments because you were trying to pay for something, or was it more like you just saw it in the ecosystem and was curious as to what people were using it for?
0: I think it's because I came looking. I came looking for digital payment solution, so that's how I, I came across it. Because yeah, we were doing a, like a whole startup seen at the time so there were like startup weekend events and there were there were like a bunch of people trying to push different things in tech um mm-hmm. and we were looking for like solutions to be able to to pass on to folks who are looking to start adventures or start things or whatever um we're looking for easy solutions um funnily enough the whole result of that ended up being stripe atlas <laughs> um for local folks when, it, when it eventually when it eventually settled but yeah it's because i was looking at it i was looking at it i was looking for a digital payment solution and just trying to evaluate a bunch of different options and that's how i kind of came across it from that lens um which is cool because bitcoin has a bunch of different perspectives and lenses so it's it's nice that people can find us in different ways
2: yeah yeah the technical way is always a good way too because you get to see the underpinnings before you see the the social impact or the cultural impact
0: yeah yeah for sure and i think like at the time i was um it was still pretty early so there wasn't a lot of um like the content that we're used to right now um where there's a lot of podcasts and a lot of like people are writing about like the economic implications of it and how it's used in different places and stuff a lot of the content was not around like you would st- that was when reddit was still like our bitcoin was still like yeah small and bear bearable to read <laughs> and you could uh like bitcoin twitter wasn't even a thing um
2: uh, yeah. so like no, there was a lot of technical right there. now
0: <laughs> yeah I know right <laughs> um so it was a lot of uh it was a lot of signal a lot less noise but it was that you had to kind of seek out your own signal it wasn't like in ready to consume places um yeah yeah so it was a fun time
2: was it yeah. was it really just online only or did, was there also a local community in Trinidad that you know, you were able to bounce ideas off or, you know, maybe some bridge you to code yeah. with that actually had, you know, a similar <laughs> mindset.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's actually, um, so there wasn't a community when I started that I tried to look for a community. I couldn't find one locally, at least in Trinidad. I found like one or two people who had mentioned it in the past. I think there was a meetup from a computer science association from the university or something, but all those guys had moved on. Nobody really talked to it. Um, And I did. So like after a month of me looking into it, I was fully on board. I was like, everybody needs to know about this right now. And I did a whole thing um, where I got like that, like that whole startup weekend crew. I got all those guys together. We did a a little kind of get together at at a friend's place where we literally, I don't remember now, this was a few years ago, but I think I threw up one or two videos and um, I like explained some very simple things. I gave everybody of like a wallet at, at the time. blockchain.info was still a thing, so everybody yeah, got blockchain yeah. wallets. <laughs> uh, uh, so we all used that wallet, um, and like we, I think uh, everybody, I said everybody three dollars or something worth of, of of Bitcoin, and we kind of just passed it around and played with it and. And yeah, people kind of got excited from that, but it didn't really take off. Again, it didn't really take. Um, and after that, I tried doing maybe. a few meetups. So yeah, I think so. Like I did a few uh, Bitcoin meetups on meetup. Like I used meetup.com, organized a few few of those. Um, we did a, I think there was a halfening party in 2016 that we did. Um, not a lot of people showed up. It was always max like 10 people, okay. 10, uh, maybe 10 or 12 people max. And people would come and go kind of thing. Um, so yeah, the community was tricky. Very early only community was tricky. Yeah. Um, I even went as far as, there's a TEDx talk out there for one of our local TEDxers from 16 or 17 or something where I just spoke about Bitcoin.
2: <laughs> really? Uh, oh, I'm gonna look so I was up able to real.
0: present it. <laughs> I was able to present it to like an entire audience, 400 people of it. And I, like I sent, I even like put up a private key on the stage and like put Bitcoin in it and had people like try to rush to get it. So like. There was a lot of stuff. It really, really, there was a lot of stuff I was doing to try to engage people. But somehow, I don't know, it just, it didn't quite take and uh, I kind of stopped engaging after a while Um, and I kind of moved into my own... Um... When I think at that time this... I also
2: uh... around, around what year was this when you were kind of like like gung-ho about it? No, when you were kind of like... Oh, kind of gung-ho was okay. maybe... gung-ho was, geez, fifth... 16? 16.
0: I would say 16. 16 okay. was a like gung-ho year. Yeah. 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 Um, and that was... Yeah, we did a, we did a, we, we even tried a Bitcoin startup where we were, um, <laughs> we were doing, uh, I don't know if you remember this company called Purse. They were a way to buy things on Amazon using Bitcoin. Like you would get matched with somebody who has gift cards or credits or something. Oh, wow. And you would get a discount. Like you could buy something, put it, you could choose something, put it in your wish list and, um, uh, somebody else would buy it for you, um, uh, at a discount and you would just... Yeah, P-U-R-S-E dot I-O. I think they, they closed, they since closed. But um, yeah. we built a solution on top of that to be able to like, for like, and it actually took off, it, it got a bit of traction for a few months Um, where we were kind of hiding the Bitcoin side of it and having people pay us for credit card and we would do the Bitcoin thing in the background and get them the Amazon stuff. And the plan was to eventually show people, hey, the way that we're doing this is this Bitcoin thing. You all should do this too. <laughs> so it's kind of like- early version of strike.
2: Yeah, it was kind of
0: like, <laughs> yeah it was it was like trying to trying to build adoption somehow organically like if people want to buy stuff like maybe they want stuff at a discount and maybe that's enough of an incentive to figure out the whole Bitcoin thing to to be able to buy stuff on Amazon so there was all kinds of things like that that um that we tried It was me and a friend who did that that, that thing okay. um yeah um but I think after a while I, I started to get. I, it's a, it's a, I guess get a bit more technical and look into different things, and there wasn't enough of a community to bounce things off of locally. So I started to kind of pull away from that and go more international, I guess. And yeah, yeah since then, things kind of just fell away locally. At least on my part in terms of local involvement. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, that's a shame. What do you I mean? Uh, yeah, I'm going to dive right in because this is what I'm interested in, right? What do you think mm. would would create the best bridge between you know being able to you know have all the knowledge that is accessible by this international community and then have for the local community and you know the, the way they the way they think the culture that they are exposed to how to make them understand the importance of, of what's what's in front of them right now like I'm trying to figure out how yeah. the average you know pharma, the average you know Worker in Jamaica or in Trinidad or anywhere in the Caribbean that isn't exposed to this this world of it, the internet, right? This globalization yeah. of of and financialization of the world, they they're not exposed to it at all. How can we get them to understand why it's important for them to want to change currencies?
0: Yeah. Um, that's a really good question, especially now because of like the work I'm doing. So like right now I'm doing engineering with Galloway and like the whole Bitcoin Beach thing. And one of the things we look at is Bitcoin for communities. So oh, like this is something I've been thinking about as well locally, right? Is that how did that take in these Central American countries in El Salvador? And why hasn't it taken in the Caribbean in like some of our communities, right? Um, And I think, it, I think what I've seen is that it comes out it's that you have to find the right why. You know, there has to be like a why for people to... Everybody has their own reason for doing things. Everybody has their own like context in life and their focus and and, and like, it's different from community to community, country to country. Um, our countries have different like problems, that's different cultural approaches to things. Um, and it's kind of like figuring out a way to frame it, like to frame it in a way that's relevant to the local community. And I mean, for us, like, we're kind of hopping around the place now, but for us, it's funny because I think there now is adoption, like a significant amount of adoption, but it's like silent adoption. It's like mm. people who, yeah, it's not loud, it's not meetups, it's not like public events, it's not conf- it's not like companies propping up and stuff, it's individuals. They just in, catch like, on, on and they
2: don't sit out. they're like, oh
0: they find a way to buy it with their friends, their <laughs> communities, their little friend groups or whatever, they find a way to buy it and hold it and trade. And like, I've, I've been getting a yeah. lot of uh, that kind of feedback that a lot of people are kind of doing this at a very, very, very localized level, um, which is interesting because it's that, it, there's no way to confirm it, right? Because we have no local exchanges. We have right. no, um, there's no like local things that people interface with, like if, no if somebody's not. gonna get in on this. Yeah. They they're gonna they're gonna engage with it like through foreign companies or with like they're gonna buy somebody somewhere or use a credit card or something and go on finance or something, or they're gonna like if somebody in, in, in a friend group has, they'll just peer to peer send it, WhatsApp, yeah. Telegram, send it around. Like um, there's guys doing trading here where they literally use they would like, they do retail. It's like a retail exchange, but it's not a formal exchange. It's a friend. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you text them. Hey, do you have any I'll yeah, sure, can get that for you? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's like, Oh, do you have a credit card? Sure. Just go here and do that. And I'll give you the Bitcoin or, you know, so it's a lot of that kind of organic growth now, which is, I think, I think it's interesting. Oh, we could get into why. I think that's interesting, but I think that's where we are right now, at least in Trinidad. Yeah.
2: The, the, yeah, I would like to, well, I mean, i like to circle back to that probably if we have a longer conversation about why it's interesting and how it'll affect um, business in general, like, you know, across the board in terms of what people are expecting to provide profit and what isn't in, in the exchange world. But um, what do you think is gonna, is gonna create the, I guess the, the biggest change for Trinidad right now in terms of Bitcoin? Because it could be payments, it could be, you know, peer-to-peer, but it also could be mining because you guys have some really low energy there
0: yeah so i don't know if you saw but there was a huge article announcement in our local newspaper either last weekend or the weekend before that um this initiative called trinity mine announced like they just came out and they announced hey we're gonna we're exploring doing a mine in trinidad um we have the backing of the government there's consultants on this thing We have a partnership with bitfury and i can't remember who to do internet, um to do like sourcing of the machines and and some FL, which is like a big conglomerate in internet is backing the entire venture um and they're looking to use one of our unused we have industrial parks that were built over the last 20 years or whatever some of them never really got occupied so there's there's these like industrial complexes that are empty um and we have some spare capacity power generation capacity from um I think they were once trying to install a smelter an aluminium smelter here and that didn't come up as well so there was a power plant for it it didn't come up so there's this power plant that has excess power um so these guys are like oh we should combine all these things and do something else and do the article but it's that okay all these people got together and we're like oh let's do uh this thing called training mine um and i think the capacity they're trying to get to eventually is 300 megawatts which is massive like wow. I think, if you play that out with uh, current mining equipment, that ends up, it could end up getting up to like almost two percent of global mining capacity. Um, so it's kind of crazy that this just popped up like a week or two ago. Um, what as percentage an announcement.
2: of Trinidad GDP with that would that um, cover?
0: <sighs> it's a good question. I have no idea revenue wise. I just know power wise, okay. we're at maybe 1.3, 1.7 megawatts. So 300 megawatts is maybe like 10, 15% of our entire power output. Um, And um, income wise, I'm not sure. Like, I don't know what that earns.
2: (laughs) So I can't say what that is for GDP, but um, it's interesting that that just popped up. Yeah. Yeah, and and if it pops up like that that easily, would it put a dent in the GDP enough for politicians to notice? And actually start looking to what El Salvador has been doing as a way forward as well.
0: Yeah. I think I think if that comes online, um, it's too big. It's like it's it's so big that you can't not pay attention because it's it's now um yeah, it's now like this it's using significant local resources, there's significant local players behind it, um, there's significant capital against it. One sec. Um, so yeah, it's 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 this thing where it's uh, it's just too big now. Uh, so I don't think you cannot pay attention to it. That's yeah. crazy
2: though. Like the, the fact that um they're already gonna notice they, the Trinidad can't be the only country that this is that that is waking up to this realization, right? Like other countries, yeah. other islands with similar power um, advantages must be thinking the same thing.
0: I think it's so it's not similar like really. As far as I know, we're the only ones in the Caribbean that have that power advantage. It's the opposite for the other islands. They're net importers of energy or net, like, it's, it's really like power costs are really high in other places. So, yeah. like, for example, in Trinidad
2: like Jamaica, we're like 26 yeah, cents per like, kilowatt hour because we ship our barrel of oil from you guys and from, from America. Right. So, we're like six cents a kilowatt hour residential
0: re- residential versus 20 something. Yep. And then commercial, industrial,
2: it's like one to two cents. Wait, so that's it's, not true. It's like... I'm sorry, I didn't not to cut you. We're we're like more we're more like 38 cents or almost 40 cents per kilowatt hour. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's what I would more expect because Barbados is the same thing as well. It's up in the high 30s. Yep. So you guys are up at 36, 38. We're at six or eight for residential, and we're like two to four for industrial. Um, could be even lower than that for industrial. Yeah. So it's just like this massive opportunity that people have tried to capitalize on in the past. Like, I know people who've done, like, significant mining operations in the past, and I don't know why, but it's never worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the last one I know is some friends who did. They had a few hundred S9s, and some of the types of miners stuck in a warehouse somewhere. And they mined for a few months. Um, and I don't know why it didn't catch on, but after a while, it just went bust. Um, I think it was that... It could have been the environment. Maybe I think they were having a lot of problems but because we're like literally <laughs> on the ocean, right? And, and it's, it's before humid. immersion days,
2: right? No one was really doing immersion mining exactly. until recently. Yeah, those guys
0: were just blowing air through it.
2: <laughs> so uh, yeah,
0: I, and I think like this new venture, it's like they have to take all those things into consideration. Is that how do you, yeah, do you immersion mine to get away from the corrosiveness? And then that helps you to control temperature as well. Um, like what are the other considerations? It's the energy costs are there right so it's just to figure out how to actually get it in place um, and there's also this tricky thing too where like and this is this is related to the first point i was telling you about where we see this kind of organic adoption is that um, forex this whole idea of foreign exchange it's 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 where like you know the TT dollar is our currency is only and I guess it's the same with the Jamaican dollar. Mm. It's only relevant inside the country. You can't leave the country without and have it be with anything anywhere else. So if you want to do anything anywhere else, you need to convert it to some foreign currency. Um, And in Trinidad, it's a managed exchange. So you can't just go to a bank with your, like, there's quotas and there's allowances. And, like, it's really hard right now because of whatever economic conditions. Oh, yeah. No, it's really hard right now to convert your TT dollars to, to U.S. dollars or anything else. You go to the bank, they'll tell you, oh, we can sell you 100 U.S. dollars. Per, like every week or something like that it's ridiculous wow, that's
2: almost as bad as the african yeah. countries i've spoken to already where it's 200 yeah. a month maybe you can convert us dollars yeah and realize sure that was gone yeah that it's, it's gotten
0: crazy like that wow it's bad yeah but um which is why we're seeing a lot of organic bitcoin adoption but it's right. like it, like it's, it's also that it's it's bad but it's not bad because if you're using a credit card you're fine <laughs> like you could spend your credit card ho- however much you want Yes. Um, I guess now they have limits. I think now it's like 3,000 US or something like that, but you can spend that and pay it off in TT dollars So it's kind of a way to get around those controls.
2: And I think people have been using that to exit into Bitcoin as well. Um. So those credit cards work on international exchanges, I'm guessing. Yep. Okay, yeah, 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 some yep. Jamaican so credit cards one do one not one. work on international exchanges, unfortunately. Our banking system is so Jurassic. So, you know, old fashioned, yeah. they they won't recognize the, <laughs> the system yeah, that we're yeah. using.
0: Yeah. No, it's crazy. And like, so like, that's, that, so like that was a factor too, as well, that like, if you're a local person who wants to, to like spin up a big mine, you need to go find all this U S (laughs) D to be able to buy the miners in the first place. So that was even like things like that were a barrier.
2: Um, But I would think they could find us investors, right. Or is, is there some barrier for us investors to come down and want to spin up a mine down there?
0: That's an option. Um, and I don't know if people have explored that option in the past, um, because it's that like we're uh, the conditions are there right like if you want to um, if you want to buy it with um, external capital put in my miners here pay off the power costs in like um local like the local currency that influence like yeah like that's a very easy direction to flow in so yeah. I think that's what this new venture is doing is that it's it's kind of leveraging international investors and international capital as well yeah. to put these miners in place. Um, and you're earning you're earning foreign currency anyway. Bitcoin is universal currency, so it's not that you're locked into the local economy. So it's an interesting play. It's a really interesting play.
2: Are, are they yeah. um, are they public? They're not public, right? The mining trin- trin- mine. In- I things. am
0: not sure. Anse Macal, who's a big backer of it, is a public publicly traded company on our local exchange, and I mm. think they may even be traded on the Jamaican stuff. I'm not sure if they're traded on the other island exchanges as well, because it's like it's kind of local regional conglomerate okay but um yeah they definitely traded traded publicly here and they're the ones who have like a big backer of that that project so i'm not sure if that project would eventually be traded publicly or not they haven't said but um yeah there's, there's some there's some public backing
2: i'm writing it down now just to see if i can follow up and see where they're traded and because you know, it sounds yeah. like if if you know you can get a derivative of that it's always good to to you know, invest in companies that are, or even corporations or governments. Well, hate to say that, but yeah, you know, in, in places that are places in general that are pushed. Individuals is the way I like to look at it. An individual that is pushing for the adoption of Bitcoin or Bitcoin mining, it's worth keeping my eye on or investing in. The main the main thing I can, I'm worried about is, is that Jamaica is nowhere close to be, to being on that path. But uh, that's for another day, I guess. Carnival is really what I want to talk to you about. Carnival is my, is my favorite topic right now. Bridget, let me tell you. Oh
0: boy I've,
2: ever since I was 18 years old, I was going to carnival from Miami Carnival every, uh-huh. every I went to college at University of Miami. So it was Miami right. Carnival every year um, in October and then if I was lucky enough or if my you know family helped me out, I could make it to Trinidad Carnival. And I did Trinidad Carnival, Probably ten years in a row, at one point. Wow. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, I I love kind of a, a, all the way That's through. Impressive. All the way through to um, you know the making sure I know the, the best songs so I can you know have fun crossing the stage and sometimes you hang out by just the steel pan alone. Like uh, I've yeah. I've done a lot of Trinidad and I embarrassingly don't feel like I know enough about Trinidad for the for the amount of time I've been in Trinidad so um, right i would love for you to give me your 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 opinion on carnival in general what it used to be what it is now uh-huh. um and you know just what you think about it and if, if it can be saved because i think it's not nothing like what it used to be but maybe i'm just old i don't know <laughs> but do you think do you think it needs to be improved? what do you think yeah so that's a good one
0: um this carnival the carnival that's coming up next year is gonna be a really crazy one because we haven't done it for two years now. So I think there's a lot of this kind of pent up people just want to participate. Um, so just to get like just to get out out of the way, like the next one is gonna be insane. Twenty twenty three, I think real, like, I saw somebody say right. Yeah, yeah, they've already announced that the bands are getting primed like, like in February or something. I think Tribe sent out an email to everybody. Like that's one of the big bands here for anybody who's listening. Like it's um they sent out an email to all their past masqueraders saying, Hey, we're we're definitely gonna be there. 2023, it's happening, and we're selling tickets and packages and stuff from now, like by now, because it's it's a thing. Um, and I think I saw somebody. Uh, said that like about a few weeks ago, they've given up on trying to find accommodation in Trinidad around that time next year because it's all sold out. Like Trinidad is wow. sold out um accommodation wise for wow. next year, so it's uh, we're gonna see what it, what that's gonna be like because it hasn't been around for two years. I think the last one
2: was twenty twenty. So I think so. Yeah, two years. Um, and it squeezed, yeah. it squeezed so that one in right before. Her. <laughs> I think the I think yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> It was like a week or two after we went into, we started to get all the um, like yeah. the first case and all that stuff. It was like we just got that one in, and then that was it. Yeah. Um, but no, I think yeah, such so carnival has gone through its its phases. It's um, I think a, a, a big criticism that people have right now is that it's gotten very commercialized and gotten very um, I guess it feels a bit generic. Um, which to me it's um, it's that everybody has their version of what carnival is, and it's it's kind of always changing. Um. So like when I used to participate, but well, yeah, I've done it over the years. And um, it, it, like a long time ago, it used to be more like, you know, this kind of pretty mass kind of like expressing yourself through your costume thing. And it was more about the costume and the show that you put on and less about just it being like a party. And like in recent years, it's turned into a massive street party where the focus is the party and less on the costumes and the storytelling and stuff. Um, but I think that there's... um. It's 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 a it's a decent mix. Like there's some cultural elements that are still pushing through there. There's some bands that are trying to kind of reclaim and, and and figure out how to how to bring some of those older elements of the carnival back into it. Um, like there's a band called Lost Tribe that are they try to do more of the costume side of things. Yeah, um, yeah. There's um, I think they during COVID. Um, folks were also looking into like productions and other types of things you can do from carnival like like that takes it away from the physical space and puts it into the original space so there was like a huge production put on by by tribe that same band it was like a carnival show that that aired um i think in it was 2021 on carnival sunday okay. a one one hour production that was really nice it was like a whole story told through costumes and through music and it was just a different way of expressing what you would normally express through carnival so i think that sort of element is is like they tried it and it was it played off really well. So I feel like that sort of element is gonna start to come yeah. through again. And yeah, I feel like it's more. it's kind of like bringing the creative industries more like back into it in a in a more like um in a more focused um I guess more more participatory way uh, where it's it's sure there's a the party and there's a the street parade and there's all the fets and all the different things. But it's also that there's this cultural element that's trying to get in there. And I think yeah. they're starting to make some headway. So it'll be interesting to see how that oh, that comes in for the next in-person carnival. <laughs>
2: um, yeah. Do you think that those yeah. those costumes um, are going to be end up being the premier ones or the more expensive ones to buy if you really want to participate in... the? Because co- I remember Lost Tribe, the costumes were intricate. They were amazing compared to the skimpy, you know, almost nothing you have yeah. on tri- <laughs> tribe costume. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, it's a good... I, I don't think... So I don't think the price diverges too much because they, so like it's kind of like different focuses. If you have a band that's less about the costumes and more about like the experience, yeah, then they spend more on the experience. They would provide more amenities on the road. They would have like I don't know, like drinks and trucks and different things and like the ones that are more body the costumes, they would scale down the experience maybe and like focus more into the actual costume and the actual like parade and stuff. So. I think they generally try to target a certain price range and try to get people like try to make it so that it's it's in reach for people and they would tailor the experience and the on day thing. Um they try to manage the, uh, the the costs, I think, to to kind of get around that. Um yeah. and it's also become this thing where the, <clears throat> the um the whole like they're all connected. <laughs> they're all like like all these bands, they have like the same owners across all of them. And it's, really? it's like, you know, you lose I thought
2: there was like, you know. It's genuine consolidated. Rivalry and it, really? Oh.
0: It's consolidated
2: massively. <laughs> like there's it the like <laughs> a lot. Yeah.
0: It's like, it's it's, it's, it's different bands and names, but they all kind of like owned by the same entities now, um, which is uh, an interesting one. Yeah. It's, it's, it happened kind of a few years ago where there were a bunch of different ones and they started to consolidate. And now they're kind of all, I think, uh, in the yeah, hands of a
2: few. Like a, few, a franchise yeah. now or something, <laughs> basically. Remember back Something in, like that. Yeah, back, yeah, when yeah. was it? Well, I want to say it was like the 2007-8 days when the Miami Carnival was going on, they split because one was Broward Carnival and one was Miami Dade Carnival or Downtown Carnival, and it was two different owners yeah, of the Carnival, and okay. they like had a vicious fight for the, for the revelers to see who would go with which band and who, you know, if they could get Tribe to come with them in Miami versus them in Broward. And eventually, I think they right. both ended up just losing a lot of people overall and then Broward won. And now, that's where Carnival is held up wow. in Lauderdale now, going forward. I it's,
0: didn't even know that that was a thing, okay. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> it was a battle to the, to the death Yeah.
0: <laughs> between the two Carnivals. Wow, yeah. so one thing I came to appreciate was that like when you're in Trinidad, you don't really, have, you don't really pay attention to what's happening outside of Trinidad and all these other Carnivals. But no, I So like, be, I right. lived in the UK, for um, like a year and I went to Notting Hill Carnival when I was there. Yeah. Um, And um, I remember, geez, that was crazy because it was literally like, I had like, I was doing my uh, dissertation at the time and it was like four days away from the the deadline or something and I was definitely not near finished. And I was (laughs) like, do I take this whole day and run down to Notting Hill and participate or do I do the responsible thing and try to finish this thing? And yeah, I mean, of course I went to the carnival because it's like, (laughs) how can I be in in the UK and not not go to their version of the carnival? I think why I went to is because I was just like, it's just like, wow, I just haven't been home in so long. I haven't participated and then didn't participate that year. And I just wanted a piece of that experience. And it was just... It was for me at least, it was just not good. <laughs> it was just a, a very diluted version of what it actually is. Yeah. Um, and and like I didn't even I wasn't even aware of what it what was like nothing. Oh, it was huge. It's, there's like I think thousands, tens of thousands of people come out for that thing. Yep. Um, but I just wasn't aware because I was like, there's no reason for me to be aware of this if I'm not here. Um and I think it's the same thing that plays off unless you're like actively seeking these experiences throughout the year, which I think people are now, but before that. Being local alone was fine. You got like a full experience here. And it was, yeah. So like for a lot of us, we weren't really aware of all, the, all this bacchanal that was going on in Toronto yeah. and Miami and the UK and wherever else that, uh, it's, it's, play, it's playing off.
2: Once you get it pure from the source, you don't really need. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, it's not a few days,
0: right? Like yeah. all these other festivals are maybe two or three days or whatever. And in turn out, it's months. It's like from the time Christmas is done, the 26th of December, Carnival starts all the way until whenever it is, February or March or whenever. Even so do you, like you get, like, like two full months. Too, right? Like, that's kind of carnival anyway. for kind of, yes, a bit. But, like, I know there's this, there's this thing called the Soka switch, where, like, on midnight Christmas night, like, all the radio stations stop playing the Christmas music, and then they yeah. just switch to Soka. And <laughs> on the 26th, you can find FETs, like, the 26th night Boxing Day night, like, Boxing Day night FETs. You can find those things, like, one time. I think they try to respect the Christmas period, so there isn't that before Christmas, but like right as it's done, there's this huge switch right into carnival. Um, I
2: love it. So we get a lot of it. We get like two months of it. we're good. <laughs> I, there's so much memories about carnival. Sorry, so what do you think? What do you think um, can be done, if anything? Like, I mean mm-hmm. carnival is usually good by itself. It, it's an it's an organism, right? But what can be done to improve the experience of carnival using sound money? Let's throw Bitcoin in there and see what happens. If you mix it up.
0: Oh wow. That's a really good question. I, I don't think I've ever thought of that.
2: <laughs> really?
0: Yeah. Um, let me think, let me think. So the way that Carnival works right now, the way that it's sustainable, there's a lot of, OK, so maybe it's something like this. There's a lot of, um, for it to work, there's a lot of government funding that has to go into it. It's, it's heavily subsidized. Um there's a lot of like uh, public infrastructure and things that you have to use and do and a lot of support and like for the different carnival kind of bands, the competitions, the, like, they're all very heavily government funded. Um, right. Which is on its own, it's not
2: sustainable. Right. Um, and I think well, there's been a push. Yeah. Tourism, like wouldn't the tourism it's bring not back? enough. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, so far it's not been enough to, right. to put on the show to the scale that is put on right now there's like pockets right it's like fets and some of the bands and stuff they can stand on their own um but then some of the other like activities like um just like the all the activity around how the music gets made and the competitions that like support that the steel band stuff the more cultural elements of it so that you have like the carnival characters you have um, like different shows that happen before the actual day. There's like this thing called Candly that happens on, on the Friday before Carnival. Um, there's things in the lead up that are more culture-facing and those are those are heavily funded because they're not as gen- like revenue generating. Right. Um, I mean, maybe there's an element. I know like right now, they're trying to figure out how to make those things more sustainable by figuring out how to broaden the access to those things. So like one is to make it package it in a way that it's interesting and appealing and can tap into some of this kind of, you know, viral culture type thing. But Mm -hmm. two is also, um, just like have it reach people who are willing to pay for it or figure out a way to, to get, to have that generate money. And maybe there's, I don't know, maybe there's an element of that there where it's that, as you go digital, as you start to expand your reach of it, maybe there's ways to, to tap Value into other communities that have, yeah, like like maybe there's a way to, like these different ideas and products that they're thinking about, maybe there's a way to offer it in a way where you can, because it's going to be a challenge being able to accept funds for these things. I mean, right now, it, maybe it's credit cards or something, but not everybody has a credit card. Like a lot of these places you're trying to reach, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe like if you're trying to reach somebody in. I don't know Jamaica or something, and they don't have a credit card that can make an international transaction. Then they can't pay for these things, right? That's right. Um, so maybe it's that maybe it's that as the cultural influence of it ex- expands, and you're trying to monetize that, maybe Bitcoin is a way where you can have it be kind of like broadly monetizable. I guess if you're trying because I mean we have a lot like yeah, there's the Caribbean, but. We also have a lot of people in African countries that are really interested in these things. Like, took a place off so massively in Nigeria and Ghana. And it's like, and yep. like a lot of people that I've come across. And I mean, geez, I didn't even realize the extent to which we had so many things in common. Like, again, when I was in right. university, I lived with some Nigerian guys. And the, the music we listen to, the food we eat, some cultural things, like, there's so much we have in common. Yeah. Um. And yeah, music definitely is a huge one. And I'm I, like, a lot of these cultural elements, the storytelling, um yeah like the the content that you put out around these things would have I, I bet massive appeal across there as well so it's it's um i guess that can be an element of it as it as it as it broadens its reach outside of trinidad outside of the caribbean and there's that monetization elemented how do you you know how do you monetize how do you package your content like can you fit it to like maybe it's like small smaller chunks like of things i mean it's I don't know, like however maybe there's a monetization strategy in there somewhere that, that, that fits with the, the reach that you're trying to get to.
2: Yeah, and fits with, with what they can what they can what they want to spend, you know, what they can afford to spend, what they want to spend, yeah. what they have the ability to spend, yeah. because some of them like a, a credit card transaction right now has to be a minimum of a couple of dollars for it to make sense, um, where you can stream SATS for, you know, the latest competition that's going on right now, live streamed from what was the name of the competition? You said it happens before Carnival Sunday, the week before. It's a, like more cultural competition that happens, and they crown the. Oh
0: yeah, so it's not a competition. It's a it's a show. It's like a, a reenactment from like the origins of Carnival. It's called um, Kanbule. It's Kambule. spelled differently sometimes. Yeah, okay. but it's um, it's kind of this uh, it's it's at five a.m. usually at about five a.m. As a It July used time. to be in. Jubilee time. time Sunday. Yeah, it's a <laughs> Sunday at 5 a.m. This okay. one is a show at, on Friday at 5 a.m. Okay. And it's um, it's it's kind of a, it's like retelling the story of, um, like when slavery was winding down, but there was still that that sort of those clashes and you know there was a lot of censoring of of like the culture of like um, like those people. And, um and they wanted to express it and this is how they found their way to express it and then that that led to certain clashes and it ended up being this huge there was a cangoley riot in the 1800s somewhere um and like from that a lot of carnival things there were a lot of elements of carnival that came from those things so there's this reenactment of that whole story that happens um to kind of as a, as a kind of like a throwback to like hey this is where some of this came from here's where of so the characters come from it's an expression of you know resistance an expression of ourselves an expression of you know yeah um so things like that and even like the traditional right. characters like i used to do um i don't know if you you guys have mocha jambies in, in jamaica they stilt walkers um yeah, yeah, these guys I who do. get up on stilts yeah. three yeah, four, whenever five, we have six a lot feet. of yeah lot so we call them mocha jumbies here so. Mm-hmm. yeah so that's a big part of our carnival um they and a lot of other people and there's been like um, these movements to kind of like teach people how to do that and yeah. kind of revive that part of the culture and have people participate in that as well. Okay. Um. So I did that for like a year. I still talk it. Like I still talked for like a year, just like no. teaching people and participating and stuff. You know how to do it well. <laughs> I can do it well up to three feet. Like when you get up to like four. And five feet, it yeah. gets wobbly, but I'm very confident up to three feet. <laughs> That's um, amazing. Yeah. But it's like things like that, where you start to reach out to people, involve them, and then kind of get them back in from that other side, from the cultural side of it, not from the kind of, you know, jump and wine <laughs> side of it, which is nice too. But, you
2: know. Yeah. It's like most yeah. people come into Bitcoin for number go up. Most people come into to Carnival for the jump and wine. And you might end up falling on a rabbit hole yeah. <laughs> and learning what the yeah. truth is. Yeah, exactly. Like I just did today, exactly, I learned all of this. Exactly. What would you like? What would the most, the one thing you'd want people to know about Trinidad that people probably don't know today?
0: Um, I think. Yeah, so the pe- the things that I, I want people to know, I think a big draw is is like just the the influence of carnival and like like I think if you come and you experience that or you engage with that in any way, you get a really good taste for Trinidad culture and Trinidad just like the entire thing. Um, so I would just fall back to that because that's uh it's such a huge part of what we do and who we are, and it's it's like a good it's a good like quick easy package summary of like how you jump into Trinidad, um, society. Like I know people who came to Carnival and never left, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, yeah, I guess that's, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a big part of it. That's, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: I agree. I agree that that's a whole picture. It's a whole picture in itself. Yeah. It's a rabbit hole in itself, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it definitely is. I have a couple of friends that are from Trinidad, um, I, have a, I actually have a group that's like from all over the Caribbean, but we lived in Atlanta for a long time. That's kind of where I started my early okay. career. And a lot of them are, are not orange pilled, despite my best efforts. And ex- especially a, a particular Trinidadian mm-hmm. that is uh-huh. hardcore, <laughs> not pilled, who is into technology, like he he works, you know, like high up in mm-hmm. in um technology strategy and understands trends and understands, you know, the macro environment and it's hardcore against Bitcoin. It's like, yeah, this is foolishness, it's not gonna work. Government gonna lock that down. I, I'm trying to figure out how I can reach, <laughs> how, like we're debating. I have friends like that, that too. You do? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I have friends like that too. And I just, it's for me, it's just like in time, you'll figure it out. Because if you look at like one of my favorite recent anecdotes of this is, um, there's, you know, DHH, the guy, the Basecamp um, co-founder, um, so there's two guys. There's this company, Basecamp. Um, yeah, Basecamp really popular. Yeah. yeah. So Jason Fried is one, and DHH is one. Okay. And he's been, he's been very vocally against Bitcoin for the last ten, from very early, from twenty, I think, 11, 12, 13 twelve, thirteen-ish, tweeting about it, talking about it, just against it. It's a stupid idea. So it won't work for these reasons. This is why it's it's really fail. Blah blah blah. Whatever. And I think something happened. Was it earlier this year? Maybe it was a Canadian trucker thing, or I can't remember what it was. But he just came out, and he wrote this thing, and he was like, oh, I get it now. And it was like a full 180, and it was just like, what? <laughs> like, this guy hates us. What? How did he 180? This is crazy. Um, and he's somebody who's, again, deep in tech on the stack. He stack. Like, they, those guys wrote Ruby on Rails. Um, yes. They, okay, they okay. do a lot of, they have a lot, a lot of like tech thought leadership type things and just company thought leadership startups, all those, those sorts of things. So it's not that they're not aware of like how these things work and the culture behind it. And, and just they are aware, right? And it just didn't click until that event. And then it was just like, oh, this one thing completely changed his perception of it. And I think it's just that. It's just that. There's elements of it that are different for different people. If it is that this thing is going to be successful, it'll it'll be here. It's not going to go away. It's not going to be anytime soon. Yeah. Um, and when it's right for you, you'll find it. And if and when it's not right for you, you're just not going to get it until you have to get it. And, and like for me, it's that, it's a shame if people don't get it before, but I feel like people, it's, it's that thing that people say, right? It's Everybody finds it in their own time and in their own understanding. And it's it's kind of tough to rush. But I've tried with multiple people in the past. And I've gotten to the point where it's that for me, it's almost like I can say what I have to say, but I have no expectations. And if somebody doesn't get it, I'm not going to try to force it. It's not, I just want it. like if they're exposed to like the message I want them to be exposed to and it doesn't land, fine, it'll, it'll come back another time maybe or whatever. But that's kind of my approach to those kinds of things. Yeah,
2: That's a good approach. Probably an approach I'm going to be taking too, because I'm kind of over the part where I'm <laughs> shaking people trying to get them to get it. So I really like that approach. It probably yeah, i brings mean, geez, a I, I did a
0: lot of that. Uh, I, yeah, I, because I did a lot of that, right? I did all the meetups. I did the freaking TED Like I did, like I did a lot around, I did a whole startup just like with a focus of getting like creating a use case for Bitcoin. Like I did a lot of convincing. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of lot of lot of convincing. I got to the point where it's that you get you get to this point where it's that this thing has its own timeline and you just have to fit, you can't rush it. Just fit its timeline and it'll it'll work out when it has to work out. Like that's kind of where I got into now. Yeah.
2: I agree with that, man. I agree with that. Well, I've taken up almost an hour of your time. Probably going to try to cut this down to 45 minutes, and a half an hour. <laughs> but um, you can go ahead and tell people where to find you if you want them to find you, um, anything you're working on or, you know, any last words you got for the people watching.
0: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, yeah, easiest thing is just to find me on Twitter. It's like at VindaRD, V-I-N-D-A-R-D. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I guess like... If anybody is looking at, like the thing I'm interested in these days working on is is our stuff with community banking at Galloy and I guess things that are similar to that, like like the Fetiment stuff that Eric and they are working on and this idea of community custody as a way to to just get reaching next group of people. It, like I find that interesting. um And I think the challenge will be to do it in a way where like it's always to do it in a way where you don't, Compromise or co-opt Bitcoin—that's always a challenge. Don't push people into centralized solutions; they can't get out. There. Don't push people into bad habits. Like, uh, and I think that's an interesting line to walk. Um, so, if anybody's interested in like in in what's happening in that space, Galois has a really interesting stack that we're working on that does some of that stuff. I would say that's that's the thing that I want people to to know about Bitcoin these days. Check out how how community custody is going, and I guess how that fits as. A way to, to get bitcoin to a new group of people. Um that and Fetiment, which I'm, I'm i'm not as involved, like I'm not involved in at all. I haven't looked into it too much, but it's really interesting because it's the same sort of vibe. And I do like that's one of my next things to look at as well.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I got two follow-ups then if you have time. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> the first one would be Galloway. I don't think we talked about Galloway and they had a significant factor um, impact in my trip to El Salvador. So um, I'd love for you to tell, like, the crew, if nobody p- doesn't know who Gallo is, you know, tell them who Gallo is as a company, you know, the, the app they've created and the the actual backbone that you guys are building back there as well.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, okay, so I guess where I would start is the, is the, is the El Salvador story. Um, <clears throat> when... Um, so I, I guess we should just recall that, like the story of El Salvador, is the story of El Zonte, and it's this little village on the coast where somebody, an anonymous do- donor, I think, donated some Bitcoin. And his only caveat was that it, it, it should be spent to build a circular economy. He wanted it to be used as a sort of experiment. And around the same time, um, like when you guys who founded Galois, and Nick- Nicholas, um, he was he went to visit El Zonte um, because he heard this thing is happening. And he noticed that, like, as part of the adoption story, they, they didn't have tools to use to be able to, like, tailor a user experience to what they're seeing on the ground because it's it's um, people who are not, uh, I guess, they're not, like, the most resourced, They don't have a lot of, like, experience with technology, with mobile apps. Um, it's like villagers on a coast in El Salvador, right? Um, so from there, he had already been thinking of, I guess, a way to to deploy a, a community custody kind of Bitcoin solution to solve a problem like that, where like people maybe aren't as savvy, able to custody their own Bitcoin, and but they'll be fine with like um, custody with somebody they know. So it's, that communi- it's like, I don't have control over it, but I know who has control over it. Uh, they're right down the road. And uh, if, uh, if something goes wrong, it's kind of like my recourse. It's not like you're using an app where the custody is happening somewhere in some other country, it's happening very close to home. Right, um, Uncle Jim down the road. So, exactly. So, it's kind of like the Bitcoin Beach wallet came out of that. And that was our proof of concept where it's that, what do you need to do to build a Bitcoin bank? Right. And it was like this whole back end, back end with Bitcoin and Lightning enabled and an accounting system that was exposed via an API that the app spoke to. And that was a proof of concept, Bitcoin Beach. And then once that took off, and like we saw the potential of that, and then, you know, after that, El Sabro hit their whole um, national legal tender thing, and it just, things just went crazy from there. Uh, after that, we kind of looked at, oh, wait, that was a great proof of concept, um, success story type thing. How do we expand that? And since then, the stack has been kind of, like we've kind of been working on a stack to, to make it this thing that people can use in in whatever context, like they can deploy it in, in um in their own community banks they can deploy within solutions of other things wherever you need a bitcoin banking solution we're trying to get these stacked at that point mm-hmm. where it's that <clears throat> you can just take this thing and drop it in there and boom you have you have this bitcoin um you know banking layer that speaks bitcoin speaks lightning um speaks on chain and lightning um has its own internal accounting system and exposes an api that you can use to just interact you know wherever with so i think the thesis is open source plus Bitcoin is like, you know, a very nice version of decentralized finance. Um, you you always hear the other versions of DeFi decentralized finance. But we think like if you can get these little community banks in a bunch of different places that can all speak Bitcoin and, and, and increase access and then all interoperate with other things, that's like a really great region of decentralized finance as well. So I think that's um that's our thesis. And it's all open source, it's all totally available. There's a bunch of communities that have kind of popped up since Bitcoin Beach, Bitcoin Jungle has been doing amazing things. They're in Costa Rica. We have Bitcoin prior that's coming up now in, in Brazil. That's a super interesting one because we're trying to get the entire stack down to a single device. It's 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 typically tailored to run in the cloud, in Google Cloud. And there's this really cool project with with uh, Open Arms who, who, who does stuff on Raspberry Blitz. Yep. But he's been working with the guy from Brazil, Fernando, and they've both been working on getting the stack down to run on a single Laptop um, with the Rats by Blitz stack, so that would be wild. So he can run his entire bank from a, a laptop. What? <laughs> uh, so that's an ongoing project, but it's things mm-hmm. like that where, like, we're starting to go out to different communities. Today in Senegal, mm-hmm. he's planning to do some stuff.
2: I um, saw him fork it, and he's using the. Yeah, he's again. already
0: forked it, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's done some designs from experience, and he's just gonna stick that 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 in there as his community banking solution, and be able to turn it on and, and have Bitcoin banking for that that context. Um, so it's kind of like, yeah, we're, 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 we're building that stack, we're iterating on that stack, we're getting all this great feedback from all these other communities, and it's kind of going back into how we design the product and how we kind of optimize it. Um, and eventually we wanna to get to the point to where it's that it can be a stack that um, reaches out into more traditional finance places. Um, you know, if there's like institutions, cities, banks, what credit unions, whatever, that aren't as quite along in their, in their Bitcoin journey. Um, but this is like a very easy solution for them to get started on that journey. It's something we're also looking at. Can this thing also be deployed in other like finance contexts? Um, so I think that's an interesting angle as well that we're working on. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's pretty much you got all your stack is a Bitcoin banking stack, all open source, all on GitHub. For anybody who wants to do, who's interested in this kind of community custody thing, um, I would say definitely check that out.
2: Hundred percent agree, and I would add that they've been the technical background for the entire movement of Bitcoin Beach. I don't. I think if it wasn't for them, because you guys were there before strike, as far as I remember. If it wasn't for you guys, I don't. Um, oh, yeah. I don't think yeah. the technical rails would have been there for the movement to start in the first place. So, kudos, man, for for doing a, a an, an amazing job so far on the ground and continuing to do that. Hopefully, I see you guys in many other countries. I'm hoping to see it in Jamaica. Um, I've started creating designs for an app that I want to fork um, you guys and use too, but I'm also thinking about if an LL- LSP function can be added in there because I would love mm-hmm. if you're know, we able to like actually have that as a free market of lightning liquidity yeah. as opposed to just making it vending and point of sale.
0: Yeah. I think we're, gonna, we're probably going to get there at some point pretty soon too because we've been... We've been adding this new feature, um, USD over Lightning, which has been a super interesting one. There's like a, a dealer in there now and it does hedging and we kind of like hedge Bitcoin at rest um, to USD, but then when it's in flight, it becomes Bitcoin again. And as part of that, there's some uh, there's some routing, cons- like there's things we've had, we've had to work on and just how the routing works and how like, like, I guess, like how you provide that, like that dealer has to provide that hedging as a service only like the network for the things that we're connected to. Um, so we're starting to, to stretch into that territory of, okay, how, how do we be mindful about these these routes and how you can get visibility into your liquidity management yep. things and how you can rebalance things and how you can, yeah, just be like a public node on the network providing certain services, routing services, and maybe eventually these kind of like dealer exchange services because there's a few things that, that might need that. Like there's us, there's the standard Sats thing that um that came out recently. Um, I think Fiat Jeff has been promoting that. I can't remember who made it, um, but that's another approach using hosted channels to do the same kind of stable thing over Lightning. Um, yeah. There's routing involved and and that kind of broker thing involved. And then the thing, the tarot thing that they dropped at... Um, yeah, I saw that. At Bitcoin, Miami, l those Lightning Labs, like that Lightning Labs thing, like part of that solution will also involve like interchange nodes and a dealer function and hedging and all that thing, like all those sorts of things. So yeah, it might be coming to the stack. Well, the USC thing is definitely coming to the stack very soon, it's kind of already in beta. And then the, just like more visibility into like how how you can manage that interchange and how you can manage your routing and stuff. I think some of that should be coming along as as well at some point, (laughs) we'll need it for sure. So (laughs) at some point we'll probably expose it as well, but yeah.
2: That would be exciting. That'd be super exciting. I mean, I, I wish I had the time to do all of this. I mean, with all the stuff I'm trying to learn right now and start nine coding, it's not a lot of free time to, to be playing around, but it's still exciting that it's there, you know, like as opposed to back in the day when we were just working at f- regular fiat jobs and not giving about <laughs> <all, laughs> what you're actually coding. Right? Yeah.
0: Can you imagine there's still people working at fiat job, jobs? It's, it's, it's
2: crazy. <laughs> I. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, same. we can talk about fediment another time because that's a whole other rabbit hole that I want to get into. And I haven't done my research yeah. about chami and mints enough yeah. to understand why fediment is important. So i love yeah. to chat to you about that. Um,
0: I mean, I can give you a two-liner on why it's important. Give it to um, me. It's, imp- it's important because it allows the same level of self-custody that, that we do with Galois right now, but it does it in a very private way. Um, so like the whole, the whole idea of chomium is that it's blinded transactions mm-hmm. internally. So whoever's running the mint cannot see who's getting money, who's sending out money, who transferred money. It's very private for the users. And that's like, to me, like a very significant advantage of something like that over the solution that we're building. But, like our building, our solution is more, this is what's available right now. And this is what's lo- This is what allows us to like figure out the UX of this thing and figure out like drive adoption. Because it's available now. I mean, it's still like a, a little while away. Um, but yeah, well, let, me when it sure, let me make
2: sure let make sure I understand so the, and the public understands too what we're talking about. So chamian Mince is like taking the amount or the actual Bitcoin, putting it in almost a virtual envelope, so no one can really see it, mm-hmm. stamping it, yep. passing it over. so yep. Someone can see that you did stamp it, but they don't know what's in it, and they can go ahead exactly. and stamp that too. Yeah, and then the exactly the photocopy and stuff. <clears throat>
0: It's funny because that's the exact metaphor that they use <clears throat> when they're explaining blinded signatures. That whole idea you right. put a thing in an envelope and you don't know the contents of the envelope, but you can sign the outside of it,
1: mm-hmm. stamp
0: it, uh, but you don't know the contents, right? Somebody, you gave somebody else the en- envelope, they close it, they see it, and then you sign it. Right. Um uh, yeah, and like the way you get into a fediment is that you would deposit Bitcoin into this multi-sig. It's kind of like how liquid works right now. You deposit it into this federation. Oh. That's why it's fediment, federated mint. It's a federated oh. bank. Um, so you deposit <laughs> okay. Bitcoin into a multi and the Mint, yeah, it's, it's, it's another way to do liquid and the, the Mint issues you these Mint tokens against the Bitcoin. So okay. it could be like a Bitcoin representative, they give you back sats that you can yeah. use inside the Mint among other users, or they could choose to back some other token or asset or something and, and issue that maybe, I don't know. But, um, what's interesting too, is that it, it supports lightning out of the box, at least the one that Eric is doing. Yeah. Um, so you can route from Mint to Mint um like that's a big part of it is that you're not locked into a single mint you don't have to go to the the um mint owners to get out right you can route across to another mint or route into bitcoin using lightning so it's like it's kind of federated fediverse of different mints that all speak to each other but also speak to bitcoin which is super interesting
2: that is fucking boss okay yeah uh, all right um so then, what's the well? Yeah, what is the debate then around around using Fediments as opposed? Like, it's not it doesn't require a hard fork, right? You can.
0: No, no, Fediments are good right now. Um, yeah. Like, uh, Eric is working on that right now. Uh, it's just going to take time to build out. It's it's a process. Um, okay. But there's no there's no controversy. There's nothing like Obscute TV. All that drama is totally separate. That's false, which is a yeah. totally separate thing. Check templates. Verify. Um, I'm not even. Yeah, not even gonna start. Yeah. It's like a whole, a whole separate thing. Yeah. It's is like its own thing. It has all the primitives it needs already. It's just to implement it. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing on because it's just a multi-sig. It's just a multi-sig on Bitcoin. On the Bitcoin side, it's just a multi-sig. Yep. And then in the mint itself, you can do different things because right. you're not at that point, you're not participating in Bitcoin consensus. So you can do your like whatever experiments you want to do, kind of yeah. like what Liquid does. Yeah, pretty um, clean sidechain so earlier too
2: you know to exactly yeah
0: yeah so it's not it's nothing's pulling it back it's just time time okay. and contributors i guess i think they're looking for contributors <laughs> so it's time and that. okay yeah yeah i think for is trying to do a lot of his stuff in rust as well his yes. own
2: academies in rust so that's true yeah. that's true mm-hmm. yeah yeah all right Bertrand. it's been great lime video um yeah same I feel like same. that i really <laughs> i've been trying to keep these things down to a half an hour because i want them to like be more digestible but and that was a good yeah, carnival. Yeah, yeah. And as there's so much more think, to cover, but you know, whatever. It's all good. <laughs> I think this
0: is just a, a line for us. I don't think that I, I, I don't even feel like this is a podcast. I feel like we were just like,
2: yeah, talking about <laughs> Bitcoin and the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so, all right, one question. You're going to carnival this year? Like, we'd sell out already and everybody going on bad? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah,
0: like, of course. <laughs> really? Like, uh, okay. It's going to be in 2020. No, it is 2023. 2023, yeah. February. Yeah, February, Marchish. Um, but um, yeah, no, the bands still have space, like uh the only thing that's so loud right now, I think, uh rooms in Trinidad, accommodations. If you're local, you're fine. Yeah, if you're coming in from outside, it's a bit trickier,
2: but um, it's still wide open, yeah. But well, yeah, man. So yeah, you safe then. Yeah. yeah, man, usually. But is everybody else? <laughs> I feel sorry for now with the with the ten thousand dollar
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: package deal yeah. Yo, the hard, I think man. it's literally that
0: I think you literally have to put Aside five to ten thousand dollars, if you yep. want
2: to come in, and then with that, you only get like what a week or two or something, two weeks maybe two um, weeks. If you, maybe a week, if, you, if you're doing all the parties, or oh, you're not getting more than a week out of that, you know, like yeah, um, yeah, the kind of cost of, the prices for the all inclusive parties now have gotten ridiculous. I remember back when Brian Lara was just a $400 party and everybody was crying that that was expensive, 400 Brian? TT or US, yes? um. I think it was TT, 400 TT Yeah. At the time. Yeah. So
0: like 50, 60 US, maybe.
2: Yeah. And I thought that was expensive. But now I think uh, that's That's really expensive because it, FETs used to be like $80,
0: $100 TT. So like $10 to $15 US. That was a FET. And then you go through your sneakers and your whatever and you just like. And you buy your a box for like two, like Yeah. Yeah. That was like, that was maybe like 20 years ago or something. Like now it's. Not
2: that at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm dating myself. I'm old, I guess
0: That's
2: the one thing about carnival that I want everybody to know, though, that carnival is one of the few places in the world that I've been able to party, and I've seen every single generation in the streets partying like nothing around. you know, like there's no problem. You can have the teenagers, the old grandfather, grandmother, the uncles, the aunt, everybody just in the same line. You know yeah just partying man a truck or or watching yeah. a, a show you know or it's just it's one of the few places that i really think people can experience that kind of pure joy and and i appreciate carnival for that i appreciate trinidad's uh, culture for that you know jamaica it ropes people in places
0: yeah it ropes people and there's this guy ray funk from the states who is like our carnival archivist person mm-hmm. he has like decades of footage and it's funny because it's somebody who's not from Trinidad who just got into it and really loved it. And now he comes back, but he film festivals. He comes back around carnival, and he's the guy you go to for all this old carnival footage. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, he got sucked in. It just, it sucks you in. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah man. Yeah. Hope it sucks with more people after they watch this. Yeah, yeah. man. Nice. <laughs> all right, nice. this is good. All right, Virgin. let me stop the recording. it been nice talking to you.